Amen. I told Pastor, I said, uh, there's three things that every preacher needs to be ready for at all times. Preach, pray, and die. Amen. And so when he texted me at 7.30 this morning and asked me if I could preach, I immediately said, no problem. And immediately after that said, oh, no. <laughs> Lord, what do you want me to preach? <laughs> I'm going to preach something that the Lord has laid on my heart very recently. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to start. Aren't you thankful for an awesome God? Praise the Lord for a Savior that has been touched with our infirmities. Tempted in all points as us, yet did not sin. (laughs) He understands what we're going through. We can come to Him at any time. Just as the prodigal son came back, you see, he didn't have to go seek the Father. The Father is already looking for him. He's there. He's waiting. And he's powerful. He gives you, he gives you, I should say, he strengthens you through fear. Oh, the, our, our Lord and Savior is so awesome. Amen. And I'm so thankful for him. And uh, we should give every ounce of our being to praise and glorify him with our life. All the time. Because he's worthy of it. Uh, this passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is, is one of those that just kind of shows how great he is. In verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all, all things are become new. Right. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. And thank you for the blood that you have shed to wash us yeah. clean, Lord. Yeah. That paid for us so that we could be with you. And uh, as we sung this morning, we'll meet you there. We look forward to that day. I know I do, Lord. I, I pray that that trumpet blows even right now, Lord. Well, Father, just in the meantime, I pray that you strengthen this church, strengthen each and every single one of us, Lord, to continue on for you. Some are already fallen out of the way, some are on the fence, and some are strong, but they got a, they got a wave coming that's going to hit them, Lord, and we need you, we need yeah. your strength, and so I pray that this morning you would give the increase in this, and that you would do the work that only you can do, and touch every single heart in here, and just, just move each individual in here, Father, for your glory and your honor, in the name of Jesus Christ we ask, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, all things are passed away. And isn't that a great verse, uh, a great scripture to commit to memory and, and just apply in your life for especially those first generation Christians? <laughs> I don't know. Raise, raise your hand if you are a first generation Christian. What that means is that you weren't saved until you were older in life and you had a whole bunch of trash in your life. You didn't, you didn't get saved at 4, 5, 10, 15 years old, but you're, say, 20 and beyond. Good, probably third, forty percent, somewhere around there. Isn't it great knowing that all things are passed away? Behold, all things are new. 
We get a clean slate in Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's a great thing when you got so much going on in your life. And those second generation Christians, your struggle is, is just that, that you don't have all of that behind you. Praise the Lord for it. But you'll struggle in your walk because of it. You'll struggle in your faith because you grew up in it. It was in your home. It was in your parents. It was in the church. But you have to make it yours. You got to make him yours. And if you don't understand any of this, maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know what it means to have all things passed away. Behold, all things are new. You don't know what it means when we say washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I remember, I remember me at 20, 21, 22 years old, if I would have heard somebody say, you need to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd have been like, you are crazy. <laughs> Get out of here, you crazy psycho. What are you about to do to me? <laughs> but I, I want to start off just by saying this morning that all things can be passed away. Yes. All old things can be gone in your life. And it doesn't mean that you're, gonna have, you're not going to have battles in your life, but all that junk that's going on in your life and, and all that fear of what's coming up ahead because we don't know, well, if you know the Bible, you know where our nation's headed. You don't know where this nation is headed. You don't know where your life is headed. You don't know where your eternity, all things old can be passed away and you can have a clean slate. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. What a great way to start out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You need, you need the truth. You need the harsh reality of the truth of sin to start off and get the good news. The wages of sin is death. And that death is in hell. And we are, we are locked and loaded and ready just to slide right into hell the moment that eternity passes into it, passes on to us. We take our last breath. It doesn't. Know, we don't know when it's going to happen. Right. It could be right here in this, right. or right there when you crawl, crawl out of this parking lot and somebody said, I mean, it could be at any moment. You slip onto eternity and you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't. You've never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You will pay for the wages of your sin. Wages are just, just what they are. It's what you earn. It's simple. You don't need a new Bible or a new version to get it. We know what wages are. But you know what the rest of that verse says? For the wages of sin is death, but... <laughs> there it is. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is no, there is no other way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father, meaning go into heaven, but by me. There is a gift. It's not by works. It's not by greatness or goodness. It's not by giving to the poor, going to church. I'm sorry, those are not the things that get you saved. But it is Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for you. It paid for your, for your eternal sins. And it washes them away. And you receive Jesus Christ. You, you simply, plainly, in your own words, how you know how. Sometimes we say, I don't know how. In your own words, Jesus Christ, save me. And he knows your heart. You put your faith and your trust in him. And ask him to save you from your sins. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Clean. Right here. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's right. Yes, sir. Praise Amen. God for it. Yes, sir. If there is a soul in here that does not know where they're going when they die, that is, that is what you need. Amen. You right. need Jesus Christ. You don't need religion. You don't need a church. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a person. You don't need, you need Jesus Christ. Amen. And there is a new life waiting for you. Now let me say this. Some people cringe when they say, you don't need a church. Can you say that? Yeah, I can say that. By the authority of the Bible, you don't need a church to get saved. <laughs> Amen. But you do need a church afterwards. That's right. You're right. Amen. That's good. You need it. Amen. And that, that's, that's really the heart of the message that I want to get into this morning. Look with me over in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, 25, verse 25. You've, you've heard this. You've probably heard the messages. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Right. <laughs> and you know what? Just you, you read old, old church history. You read the book of Acts, and you see at the, at the end of, I think it's chapter 2, right around there, you see that daily they were together in the temple, praising and worshiping God, and in one in another's house, breaking of bread. Daily they were together. And you, you research just some old church history from the year 100, going all the way up into those dark years, but even through the dark years where the, the Catholic Church had its supreme reign over this whole world for a thousand years, if you didn't know that. You can look into that. Those dark years came because of darkness through the Catholic Church. And I'm not scared to say that because it's the truth. The people got together. The body, the church, the believers in Christ, they were assembled together daily. And I know today is a different day than the year 8100, 81,000, whatever you want to call it. Today we've been pushed into a society of where we are constantly on the go. It is a very different life than even 1900, 1850. We live in a day where there is no time for God. There is no time for the church. There is no time for gathering. I mean, think about it. Think about it, folks. We gather two days a week. That's not even a quarter of the week. And if you really bust it down, it's very few hours. What are we here for? Three hours this morning, somewhere, we'll say three hours, just call it save. Two hours and then five hours in one day, and then maybe two hours on Wednesday. Seven hours out of the whole week, you get a spin together, and that's it. Outside of special things going on, special events. And sometimes we think, that's just too much. I mean, why are they going on Wednesday? Why do we got to crawl ourselves back in there on Sunday night? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. 
And what I really want to put on you this morning, church, the teens are going to kind of think, this is our redo, because I preached a little bit of this on last Sunday, I think it was, for them, whenever that was. We need each other. Hey, yes, this church needs you, but you need this church. You guys need each other. It's not just about getting people in here and filling up all the rows and getting the money into the plate, right? That's always the big thing with religion. It's all about getting that money in. I'm sorry, but we don't care about your money. There's something way more valuable beyond gold and silver. It's not about just trying to have the biggest church on the block down the road. I drive down this road and I see like 50 million Baptist churches. It's crazy. I've never seen that in my life till I came to the South. It's not, it's not about that stuff. Uh, we, we, we lose the point of church, going to church, assembling ourselves together. It's vital, folks. It's vital that you assemble yourselves with the believers. It says here in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But look what it says, but exhorting one another. You know what exhorting is? It's lifting up and, and helping somebody. <clears throat> lifting them up to, to encourage them. That's the word I want, to do what's right. And sometimes that is in a good manner of, hey, praise the Lord, brother, that's great, you know, keep it up. Sometimes it's kind of, uh, what are you doing that for? What do you got that going on in your life for? I don't understand why you'd allow that. But, it, but it's a, a, an exhortation, an encouragement of doing the right thing for God. That's what it, look what it says here, exhorting one another, almost like a cheerleader is how I told those teens, woo! Rah, rah, shish, kabah. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> but encouraging, exhorting. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, and that's what we see with the cheerleaders, that's why I related to that, because it's always like in the fourth quarter, the final period of whatever sports it is, the final stretch of that run, it's like, dig deep, go, you got it, come on. Right, exhorting. Push on. And that's exactly what it is here. So much the more as you see the day approaching. If you don't know what that day is, that is the day you see throughout the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation 22. That is the day of the Lord. That is the theme of the Bible. God is so long-suffering and patient. He's been waiting 6,000 years for this day. It's coming. We are, we are right on the precipice of, of just going into that day. And for the church, that starts with us going out. Amen. <laughs> Finally, we'll be out of this wicked world. The day of the Lord, the day he comes back, the day he kicks things off, and he rightfully takes what's his, what he owns. Amen. And he sets himself up on a throne, and he is glorified as he should be. So much the more, as we see this day approaching, it's coming. We are to be assembled together, brethren, to exhort one another, to help one another, to keep going. But, I mean, it's Wednesday night. I don't get off work until, you know, 6. And 
I might have to walk in there smelly and stinky from work. Come in, smelly and stinky. You stink anyway, and we know it. <laughs> you need it. There's always so many excuses that we have. If you're not in here, as much as you can be in here, you're not doing the right thing in God's eyes. You're not doing the right thing for your own Christian spiritual walk by not being together. You're hindering yourself. It's so vital. And so what are we, what are we to provoke unto or uh, to exhort unto it says here in verse 23 let's just back up a couple verses let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering and as i said that that second generation third generation christian they usually come up in church they hear it all day long i was actually exhorted this morning i was talking to a brother in the church and he was just telling me a little bit about his life and how he grew up in a preacher's home and didn't get saved until he was almost 40. And I, I was just like, wow. But he was so thankful because of how good God is <laughs> to protect him from not dying and going to hell, even though he left and went out on his own. And the things that God is doing. But those second, second generation Christians, they usually grow up in the faith. And yeah, they, they, they usually are saved. You know, four, five, six, seven, eight. But then they get older, and what happens? What happens? The faith starts wavering. Oh, getting a little shaky in the faith. And I I want to show you why. Look with me in 2 Peter here. 2 Peter chapter 2, I believe it is. Oh, these days we live in are wicked. And they grab a hold of you. They'll grab a hold of your flesh like that. The devil has so much bait that he throws out there in front of your face daily. Look at what it says here in 2 Peter chapter 2. You got to see this. You got to get the picture. You got to understand what you're up against, folks. It says here, God is speaking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says in chapter 2, verse 7, and delivered just Lot, meaning righteous Lot. He's a picture of a saved person. He delivered just Lot out of that wicked, adulterous, sinful generation that he lived in in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says here, Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. We we live in this world. There's no way you can get around that. We're in it daily. We wake up to it. We go out to work, to school, whatever it is. We go out in it. We're around it constantly, and then the the sad part is we come back to our home and we allow it in our home through everything that we turn on. Because look at the very next verse, it says it, For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Did you see that? You do not leave church from one day to the next. Young Christian, adult Christian, I don't, I don't care your age. If you're wavering on your faith, it's because day by day you're vexing yourself. And you won't just walk out and one, it's a process. Day by day, day by day, 
everything you hear and everything you see. The blind man does have it better than us these days. <laughs> There's a lot less wickedness that they're getting in. And where does it go? It goes right to your mind. And I heard this very recently from actually the doctor that we're seeing from my wife. He's a saved man. He's born again, but he's just of a different, you know, stripe, religion, kind of whatever you call it. But you, he is saved. But he said this. He said, your heart is the sponge that catches the drippings of your mind. <laughs> he... he <laughs> He doesn't have a lot of things right, but he's got some things right. And I was sitting there thinking on that. He said that, and I go, oh, wow. That is so biblical. Is it not? Everything that comes in that we allow to come in, sometimes we can't help it. We can't, we, we can't stop it because we're in work. We're at you know, school and, and the people around us, unless we are able to get away from them, usually you can't. Sometimes you can and you just choose not to. That stuff gets in there and it drips down into your heart. And it affects your heart. Day by day by day. And we, we wonder why our kids are running out the door, just rushing for the world. Society is putting a huge pressure a attack focused attack on children children and the teens have you not seen it teen guard your heart you you better watch your heart they're after you i see some among here they're after you they will corrupt your heart. They will draw you away from God. All those pressures that you're feeling and, and thinking and the, th the thoughts that you... It's because it's coming in here and dripping down to here and it changes your heart. But we are not to be conformed unto this world. Amen. But by the what? Renewing of the mind. <laughs> day by day. By day, you're being vexed, and what you're doing is you're starting to waver in your faith. You need the church. You need the solidity. The, the, yeah, solidity, I guess, would be the word. You need the, uh, uh, I'm thinking Spanish now, establecimiento. What is that? <laughs> you, you need stability, and the stability of the church. You need it. We need each other. Come back to Hebrews chapter 10. I hope, I hope this is sinking in. I pray the Lord is doing a work on your heart. If you're, if you're not here as much as you ought to be, receive it. Amen. Receive the truth of what's going to happen. We can foretell the future of people's lives by, by, because of what the Bible says. It says here in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He that which hath begun a good work is faithful to perform it. And we, we need to, to encourage and exalt one another unto keeping that faith and, and keeping the straight and narrow path. Staying on the way, man, and, and, and walk after Jesus. It's okay. 
He's strong. He's powerful. He's just. He's right. The things that need to happen are going to happen. He, he's in control. He can strengthen you. He can take your fears away. He can help you walk in faith. We need it. And it goes on even more. It says, and let us, in verse 24, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another. This is a tough one in today's generation because today's generation, they, they can't look at each other and just talk to each other. <laughs> oh, have you ever seen that where you got even a family? It could be a family, but it's usually teens. And they're all sitting there in the same room on their phones, and they'll be sending messages back and forth. What are you doing? <laughs> Look each other in the eyes and have a conversation. I hope there's no adults in here doing that. <laughs> Where was I at? Where was I going with that? Considering one another, but that's, that's the thing. We, 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 we really just don't have time because we got things out there going on. And you'll see it just as well as I do. It's, it's, it's every single church you go to, folks. We prayed. We've got an altar call. Sometimes not. Whatever. Service is in. Good afternoon. We'll see you tonight or we'll see you Wednesday, whatever it is. Boom. <laughs> Three minutes, man. That parking lot is cleared. And I don't know about here because I'm not watching. I'm not timing it. But I've been, I've been to well over 200 churches, folks. I've seen it. Like, they don't even look at each other. They literally just file out the door and they're gone. Man, we need each other. Now, I have an old mind and I haven't been here much time, but, but I mean, do you know his name? Do you know her name? Do you know her name? Do you know his name back there? I mean, do you guys, do you guys know each other? Have you ever just walked up to somebody, and it's hard for some people because some of us, not me so much, are introverts. I don't get it. My wife is an introvert. We're very opposite. Usually we marry the opposite, but God is just kind of leveling the playing field there and helping us out, right? The better half. But you just walk up, hey, my name is Adam. Or, hi. <laughs> some of you feel that way, right? How you doing? <laughs> yeah, so... How long have you been coming to church here? <laughs> we feel awkward, but hey, get to know each other. Man, you, you, are, you are missing out on friendships. You're missing out on encouragement, exaltation between one and another. You know that other people are going through some of the same problems as you, and if it's not the same exact problem, it's the same exact enemy, the devil, And sometimes, you know, what happens as well in churches all the time, especially here in the South, I think Preacher was just talking about it. If I remember right, very recently he said, a lot of these churches are just built off of splinters. And it's because, well, this person said that. Well, they looked at me, sister so-and-so. She's been looking at me weird, and, well, I think she's thinking this. <laughs> oh, man. We are so programmed to just be ready to be offended. Preacher can, you know, can walk by me 
and he could just, you know, kind of glance at me and keep going. And I'm be like, oh, man, did I do something? Like, what is he thinking about? Did it, what, do I need to, like, cut the grass or something? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, he's busy. He's just walking by. <laughs> he didn't shake my hand. Oh, brother. We're just programmed to be offended at everything. What, did you see them two together talking? Why don't they talk to me? Oh, they just think they're so special. I mean, there's so many things that come up, right? And that is what God told us about Corinthians, the church in Corinth. He said that they're, they're babies. They're carnal because of their divisions. No, we need each other. You know, maybe somebody does give you a little smirk or somebody does say something to you and you consider, well, man, they were a real jerk to me, but maybe they got something going on. We don't know what's going on. Maybe they're, you know, they got problems at work. They, they got a brother that's in trouble and they're worried. Ah. There's problems that create us to do things we ought not to do. And we act out. And if you're the one acting out, don't be so prideful that you can't humble yourself to apologize. It's not an excuse. What I'm saying is it happens and we need to consider one another. And I mean, I was talking about in Sunday school, we're going to, Lord willing, we're going to have some kids coming in that are on those buses. And man, those kids... I'm telling you because I was I was from a semi-broken house with alcoholism and abuse and fights all the time, the fighting. I mean, all five of us kids were like, I never am going to get married. Who would ever want to get married? That's stupid. <laughs> Man, they're going to come in here and they're going to be having so many problems going on. And those kids are going to be running around like animals. Just animals, I'm telling you. You're like, oh, just consider. They don't have anything in their life teaching them what is right and wrong. They have constant society and all the junk that comes in here that teaches them wrong. We need each other. We need the church. We need to be here. Sometimes it's just... We need to step up. Look in Romans chapter 15. Look at this verse. A couple of verses. Romans 15. And this is, this is right after Romans 14, talking about verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. And it's the great chapter on Christian liberty. But all things are are lawful, but not everything is expedient. (laughs) And so then it continues on into the next chapter, Romans 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And, And this is the stuff that I was talking to the teens. Some of the teens grew up in this stuff. You ought to be stronger than a teen that comes in off the street. I'm sorry. But it's the truth. Some of you adults have been in Christianity, in the walk, knowing the Bible for years. You ought to be stronger 
in the faith. You ought not to be offended. You ought to humble yourself. Exalt one another. Love one another. Bring the people together. Get, get, get a walk with Christ in the church. But it takes strong Christians because everything is bombarding you. And sometimes the strong Christians go through it and they get weak in moments and it happens. But we that are we are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. But, but that's, that's the problem right there of today. And I could jump on a soapbox of this and preach a whole message on it, pleasing yourself. Oh, that's what this whole life is about nowadays. But it says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. To what? What is that word? Edification. To edification. Exhorting, strengthening, encouraging. Edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Christ did it for us. He, he, is a, he is not a king. He is the king. Amen. That's right. The king of everything. He has a glorious kingdom. And he left it. And he didn't come here to be a king. He brought himself down below the angels. He brought, brought himself down below the kings of the earth. He brought himself into a manger. A poor family. And he did it for you. How can we, Christians, meaning Christ-like, not bring ourselves down for one another around us? How are we doing? How are we doing? This probably sits a little hard for some people, and that's, that's good. That's good. It's a good thing if you got the Holy Ghost speaking to your heart. Don't, don't deny that. We ought to please one another. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. That's what the church is all about. That's what we're here for. Why? Well, I already said it, but look here with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I don't know when I'm supposed to be done. Are we good for another hour? (laughs) Oh, man. I thought I was going to be up here about 15 minutes, but the Lord's got me going. This is um, this is something that we forget. First Timothy six here. Right. This is something that because we just get going in the daily motions, we we are we are busy. We've allowed society to make us that way. We don't have to be what they tell us to be. You you don't have to live like them. You don't have to be as busy as them. You don't have to be like the Joneses. A matter of fact, if you're trying to be like the Joneses, you're being very anti-biblical. That's right. That's right. You need to be what Christ wants you to be. That's right. Amen. And, and, and here's the problem with it. To be what Christ wants you to be is going to make you look like a fool. Are you with me? Come on. You will look like a fool to everybody around you, including your own family, when you try to do what God wants you to do. 
Uh, you know how many people told me, Christians included, told me I was such an idiot. You're going to bring your kids to Mexico? Don't you know they kidnap kids in Mexico, well, especially white kids? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of know that. <laughs> well, you are going to look ridiculous, well, but not to God. That's right. Amen. That's right. Bless not to your Savior. And see, that's the, that's the thing is we lose the vision of what's going on. Here's what's going on in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look with me in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Yes, sir. And I know that verse keeps going on, but that is what we're doing. Right. Man, this Christian life is a fight. Some of you teens think the hardest thing that you could ever do is be a you know, a CEO or start your own business or, you know, whatever it may be that you think. No, living the Christian life, living this right here yes, is the hardest yes, thing sir. you'll ever do in your life. Yes, this is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And I was in the army. I was infantry. I've been in war. I went to Afghanistan. I've been in Africa. I've done, I've done things that are just physically, mentally, emotionally hard. That is the hardest thing I've done in my life. I'm telling you, it's a fight. You guys are in a fight, and you need one another to get through it. You need to get in here and make a promise to yourself. Put it in your heart. I will be coming through those doors every time those doors are open. Or you will not last in the fight. You will waver in your faith. You will. Because all you're doing is being vexed out there. You got problems in your life and it's probably because of the vexation of the outside. You got to get in here. And then when you're in here, you guys need each other. You need to, you need to break bread. You need to have fellowship. You need to encourage each other. And I know sometimes the brethren can just be, ugh. <laughs> can you believe sister so-and-so? Yes, I know it can be that way at times. But consider one another. Exhort one another. Love one another. Bread. Carry the burdens, bear the burden, the infirmities of the weaker ones. One of the things that, that me and my wife have commented on several times is down there in Mexico, five years, for five years, we were, we were always giving of ourselves. I mean, we're very giving of ourselves. Praise the Lord. It's the Lord who has taught us this. Of our money, our time, our emotions, our love. I mean, we just, we give of ourselves. And we're teaching our kids, give of yourselves. Yeah. It's not about you. That's right. It's about him. Amen. That is the Christian walk. That's right. yeah. And so we, we have constantly, for five years, just helped. We don't give handouts. We give hand-ups. <laughs> hand-ups are harder than handouts. It's easy to give a bum $5. Come on. Right. Who can't do that? Come on. Right. A hand-up is... Helping them to get up. It's easy to walk into a place and grab somebody loaded up on drugs and carry them out. Oh, man, that's so emotionally great, right? No, it's the fight afterwards, helping them to get off of those drugs, get into Christ, start walking. It. That, that is the, that's the struggle. That's the hard part. 
We need each other. Oh, what I was going to say, totally forgot what I was going to say, is now that this is going on with us, and we came up here, and it's just before we even came up, Lord, if we can't do I don't, I, and it's just like, no, you're going to do it. It's how you're leading us. And now everybody's taking care. It is the most humbling. <laughs> oh, I hate it. But I love it. It's the body. The body of Christ is amazing. Bearing the infirmities of the weak. Sometimes we're weak, sometimes we're strong, but we're here for each other. But you got to put yourself down. You got to humble yourself. Stop pleasing yourself. Let the Lord please you. Well, I can, I can tell you so many amazing, awesome blessings that the Lord has given to our family yes. without us trying to achieve things. That's right. The Lord doing it. I'm ashamed of some of it because of how good God is. Right. Stop pleasing yourself. Get in here. Edify one another. Love one another. Church, we're in the last days. If we're going to do anything, if we're going to stay in the faith, if we're going to walk this book, if we're going to please God, you have to do it together. Your pastor's trying. I see it in him. I love it. He wants to please God. Let's not deny the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to us. Let's go ahead and get the piano playing. Let's take a time to just come to the Lord. <clears throat> get a time here. Go ahead and get your Bibles closed. Get a time here where everybody just, let's have everybody just close our eyes. Eyes closed, head bowed. You need to make your way to the altar. Get down here to the altar. <laughs> the Lord is putting things on your heart. Get down here. No shame. Just humbleness. Of getting things right with the Lord. Sometimes we we want to take care of it in our seat. We're scared. There's a difference if the Lord is putting it on your heart to get down here. That is, that is taking a step. It's taking a step of faith to get out of your seat and come down to the altar and make it concrete with the Lord. I want to do this, God. Whatever it is.
she's still playing. You can still come. God's always open for business. Question is, are you open to him? Folks are still coming. Just mind God and do business with Him. we thank you Lord this morning for the message from Brother Russell Lord I pray it's been a help to the hearers Lord I know it's been a great encouragement to me Lord I pray that we take it apply it to our lives Lord that we'd be doers of the word not just hearers only Lord we thank you for the, the opportunity to come again and worship you here here this morning Lord we pray God that You'd, well, Lord, we'd be back to the next appointed time, Lord, as we close this service. Lord, we pray that you got the honor and the glory out of everything that was done. And we thank you again in Jesus' name.